What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action here on January 25th, 2021, around 4.30 p.m. time. We're recording this central time. We have so much to get into. Conference championship games just occurred over the weekend, and... MTV's The Challenge is now through six episodes, so we are going to be talking about, well, probably a little more than half this show, NFL, and then we'll get into The Challenge for all of the uh, the Challenge fans who listen to this podcast. So I have the perfect guest joining me to cover both topics. This is a great friend of mine uh, who is making his debut on the show. Now, we did record something a long time ago, but that was not for this show. Let me bring him in. Grant Forsyth. How are you, Grant? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a thrill to have you join me on the Jack Vita Show. I was thinking earlier today, there was a time that in college, it was probably about five years ago, we were sitting in your basement and we're probably sitting on the floor. We just put like a microphone down in between us and we talked about NBA for about an hour and I didn't record it properly and then we never used it for anything. Yeah, I think I remember that stream. I probably mumbled through the entire thing <laughs> as well um, and probably just pushed Festus Azili stats the entire time. <laughs> Azili, where is he? He's not playing anymore, is he? I would have to Google him, but uh, my guess is that he's out of the league at this point. Although the Warriors have looked great. Not to totally derail your direction, but you should definitely watch the Warriors if you haven't already. Well, I actually, I will say, Grant, I have not watched any NBA basketball this year. I've moved over. I'm a college basketball fan now. That's my thing. I love it. Wow. Who Who are you for? Well, I got three squads. I got the Valpo Crusaders. I've got Northwestern Wildcats, and at some point I adopted your Indiana Hoosiers. Wow. I, I've been a really bad college hoops fan this year. I think I caught, let's see, I, I want to see it was the Maryland game. Um, yeah. And then I saw the last seven or eight minutes of Iowa. Oh, great which one. Was, it was promising as a Hoosier fan, but at the same time, uh, you don't see a team go on a nine minute drought like the Hawkeyes did in that one. So yeah, I don't want to get too excited, but yeah. it's definitely promising to see them get a win. It's been a few years, uh, since we've, I might butcher this, but I feel like it's been a minute since we got into the tournament and this could be a team that does it. Yeah, they would have gotten in last year, but unfortunately there was no tournament there's a lot of talent on this squad. I can't really figure it out, though, because they're so talented, yet we see these games where, like, on Sunday, I guess you didn't watch Sunday, but yesterday I was watching them play Rutgers before the, uh, that was before the NFL games, and it's just fundamental things that I feel like I keep seeing them screw up. Like, late in the game, they don't box out, can't get a rebound when they need a rebound when they're making a stop. And it's just, like, I don't understand what's going on with this Indiana team under Archie Miller. Yeah. I I think also they're lacking height right now. Um, yeah. And if you, if you don't have the height and you're not rebounding, 
it, it just puts you in a tough spot. You got to be shooting the ball well to get anything flowing on offense. And, you know, I love the Hoosiers. I hope they do well. I haven't watched them nearly enough to even speak to <laughs> what needs to change. Um, but obviously, always rooting for them. Well, I will say, last year, before we get into the football, I will say, last year was right around this time. Actually, it was, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was exactly about a year ago. Uh, I went to a Hoosiers game. It was my first time going to a game, and it was against Michigan State. It was a game they beat Michigan State, and I saw Victor Oladipo at the game. Wow. See, was he watching? Yeah. You're, you're I, talking about last year you went to a game? Yeah, Oladipo was in attendance. I walked right past him in that little tunnel area, you know, where you get out onto, like, the floor Unreal. level. Yeah, I walked right mm-hmm. past him. And no one was like, no one was going and swarming him. So I was like, okay, I, I'm just gonna let him be because he's probably gonna get swarmed at some point tonight. And I don't want to, don't want to bring that on the depot. You don't want to initiate it, yeah. And it's COVID. Oh, I guess this was pre-COVID. Yeah, it was. It was like when the world was normal before COVID. <laughs> yeah, he was. See, I was lucky that my freshman year at IU. Yeah. was the Oladipo Cody Zeller team. Yeah. Um, not the Watford for the win year where they beat Kentucky and stormed the court. Yeah. But the year following and we got so lucky with our ticket package. We had tenth row behind the basket against Michigan. It was a one versus three matchup. And we wound up winning the game, but uh Oladipo had a play where they threw him an oop, an alley oop. And it was so far behind him, but he still clawed it in midair. He didn't pull the dunk, but it was so athletic that it still made top 10. I remember that. On a missed dunk. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of the coolest sporting moments I've ever seen live. That was a Michigan team. That was a team that went to the national championship game, and they had Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Glenn Robinson III, Mitch McGarry, who... Another fun fact here, I used to see Mitch McGarry at this Valparaiso bowling alley every single week on Thursday nights circa 2016 when he he was out of the NBA and we would see him every single week and he'd be like, what's up guys? And we'd be like, Mitch, did you sign your contract to play overseas yet? He's like, nah, nah, I haven't signed. I might go on the bowling tour. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Did he ever have an NBA career? Or he just yeah. didn't make it to that level. He was a good player for a few years, and he uh, tested positive for marijuana more than once, I believe. And mm-hmm. eventually the, the Thunder cut ties with him. But he had a couple of games where he put up 25 and, like, 12 rebounds. That's a bummer. Yeah. Had it been a few years later and in the right state, he could have gotten away with it. But... <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, Grant... We got so much football to get into today. Uh, let's start with that Packers and Buccaneers game yesterday. Where would you like to start with this one? What are your initial thoughts from that game? I uh, I don't know. Should we just start with the obvious, Matt LaFleur? Yes. Deciding yes. to kick the field goal as opposed to going for it on fourth down. Yeah, that's a good place to start. What would you think of that at the time? I didn't like it. And looking back, I like it even less. Yeah. I think 
the obvious statement is you have Aaron Rodgers and there's two minutes left in the game. Um, all a field goal really does from my perspective is it gives you that cushion if Kansas City gets a field goal. But if you're going with that logic, I think at least kick it on side because you're yeah. putting yourself in a position when you kick the field goal where two first draw or sorry, two first downs for me and it's game over. So I just don't follow what angle he was taking unless he thought, oh, we'll get it back and we'll win in regulation. But I don't think the risk reward there is worth it. Even if you kick the onside, it's not worth it. But I think the onside would at least justify, oh, we're going to take a gamble. And we have that insurance policy of the three-point cushion. Um, so I, I don't get it at all. Yeah, there were a lot of things at the end of that game that made me scratch my head from both sides. And then I saw some more coaching blunders yet again in the later game, and it really ended up looking like Andy Reid was just running circles against all these coaches yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gotta love Andy Reid. That Chiefs offense is so talented. Um, I feel bad for the Bills, although I will say this is the Super Bowl matchup that I personally wanted to see. Oh, it's a great one. It's awesome. We'll get more into that a little later on. Going back to what you were saying, I did not like that move at all. So they were about eight, it was maybe seven or eight yards away uh, from the end zone. And you're telling Aaron Rodgers, who he takes offense to stuff like this. There was a story I remember from Greg Jennings talking about after, or well, Rodgers carried a grudge against Mike McCarthy for a very long time because Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator on San Francisco 49ers back when they selected Alex Smith in the 05 draft and not Aaron Rodgers. So if something like that gets him upset, can you imagine how fuming he was yesterday? The guy had to be disappointed, and I feel, I feel bad. Um, he looked dejected. I've actually, you know, I'm not going to call myself a Rodgers fan. He plays for the Packers. I'm a Bears fan. <laughs> I'm not going to cross that line. But I am a fan of the Pat McAfee show. And if you ever watch the Pat McAfee show, Rodgers does go on there every Tuesday. And he's just a normal guy, from what I can tell. And he's decently funny. Builds a little bit of empathy. And then you see him just completely dejected at the end of that game. And he had a few bad breaks, too. Yeah. Um, so I feel for him to a degree, and I I think he said something along the lines of, "It, it wasn't my decision to make." Yeah. Uh, kicking the field goal instead of going for the touchdown, and that's, you know, he's not explicitly calling out his coach, but he's also not backing the team either with that comment. I feel bad for him, and now there I've seen some talk about will he stay in Green Bay? I don't know how. Uh, we won't we won't do that are. today i can't I feel like even. great yeah. i feel like that's a conversation for like march in a couple weeks when there's less football there's so much to get into with these games however uh i actually don't i don't feel horrible for rogers i mean he played really well but he had an opportunity to win that game i think his offense he they put up 26 points that's pretty good um but really the thing that i'm interested in and I, I don't think all the blame should go on Aaron. I think that 
There's plenty of blame to go around. I but Grant, the last time I was thinking about this this morning when I got up, Steelers and Packers played in the Super Bowl ten years ago. Since then, neither team has been back in the Super Bowl. Back ten years ago, when you're talking about an age 26 or an age 27 Aaron Rodgers and an age 28 Ben Roethlisberger, wouldn't you have thought that both of those franchises would have at least won another conference title in that ten years? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think the Steelers were on the back end of a dynasty, really. Yeah. Um, and they they were a team that was so successful for so long. I'm trying to think to myself what year Brady would have come into the mix. Would that have been like 2002-ish? Uh, his first year, I think, was 2000 or 2000. No, 2001. 01, yeah. Yeah. I think Ben just had, or the Steelers in general, anyone in the AFC really had the misfortune of playing alongside the Brady Manning era. Yeah. And, you know, the Patriots had their dynasty, which is honestly like beyond a dynasty when you consider all that they accomplished. And you had Peyton Manning in that division. Um, gosh, I'm kind of blanking. Well, on Grant, from that stretch of, of 01 through, let's say, 2013 or so, there was about, oh, I guess you could go even further, because then Brady had that second run where they went in, in 14, and then Peyton went 15. So, and then Brady again at 16. So basically... You had like a 17 years where the only quarterbacks that played in a Super Bowl outside of Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger were Rich Gannon and Joe Flacco, I want to say. There may be another name in there. Will we be covering whether or not Joe Flacco is elite in this hour? <laughs> uh, not today, not today. But we could go there if you want. Another time. Another no no it's fine. Just just checking. So you're totally right. You know I would have expected um, the Steelers to maybe get back a time or two, but really the the Packers. Uh, you had Aaron Rodgers, the gunslinger. There wasn't anything to really indicate he wouldn't be able to get back. Um, you did have Breeze. In the Saints, I mean, they've been pretty consistently good throughout that time period. Um, yeah, Breeze is NFC also North, another guy. Breeze only won Super Bowl appearance, too, in that stretch. He won, yeah, he is 1-0. Wow. Yeah, I. it's weird because I'm trying to think who else was consistently in it for the NFC, but I want to say the NFC has been a mixed bag Yeah. for the past decade. I mean, you just kind of have teams that have gotten hot and made a run. Like think about the Panthers or the Falcons. There's two teams yep. that years leading up to and years following their Super Bowl runs, they're somewhat mediocre. Uh, yeah. 49ers, I guess, did it twice with two completely different teams. But yeah, for the most part, Grant, this conference has been obtainable and the Packers have been consistently good. They've been in the mix a lot. And there have been a lot of years where, I, and to tell the truth, I sold my stock in the Packers after probably 2016, that year that they got blown out by Atlanta in the conference title game, because it felt like there was a trend 
over the last decade, and not not every single year this was the case, but there was a, a trend from maybe 2015 through 2018 where going in the preseason, you talk to people, you say, who's your pick out of the NFC? And people would always say, oh, well, I really like the Packers. The Packers are the safest pick. And then it would seem like, wow, somehow, some way, they found a way to get to the NFC title game. And um, then they had they had a couple of really good teams in that stretch. I think this year was a really good one. Uh, this was one of their best teams they had. 2014, another year that Rodgers won MVP. And I think Rodgers also won it in 2011 when they went 15-1. and won. All three of those teams, really, really talented, and yet somehow very disappointing. Yeah, and I think um, that's what hurts Rodgers from a legacy standpoint is just that he just doesn't have the rings to back it up, or even the Super Bowl appearances. Um, He'll always be one of those guys who just the eyeball test, he obviously makes incredible plays. Yeah. Um, and he's a stud and even, I mean, he's got the Hail Marys that were incredible, even just like on the run, incredible throws through a tight pocket. Um, he'll always be a stud, but you can't obtain that Brady or even Manning level legacy without the rings. And unfortunately at this point in his career, um, he's got to turn it up quickly he's going to build that legacy yeah i think that i'm not too obsessed with like where these guys rank in terms of greatness but i do think that yesterday there was a little like we saw a really good rogers we didn't see a great rogers maybe this is what i've come to expect of the packers is they've been disappointing come january and rogers deserves some blame for it i think the thing is both of these statements can be true, that he is a Hall of Fame, all-time great quarterback. But also, there's some times where it's like, we have to make a million excuses for Rodgers, and you hear it a lot from the press. And I think that you, you, you can be a great quarterback and also shoulder at least part of the blame. It wasn't. It was a collective effort yesterday as to why the Packers lost, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think he's Hall of Fame. But he oh, also absolutely. was under a lot of pressure. Um, that Bucks defense loves to blitz. Yeah, I forget the name of their left tackle who got injured at the end of the year. But you know, Jason Pierre-Paul was bull rushing nonstop and getting through. Um, and so I don't know if he's gotten hit that much throughout the year or yeah. constantly been under pressure. And they're also a team that they've been able to blow out a lot of games and just build that early lead. He gets into a groove. He's just moving the ball with no problems. And yesterday was the opposite, where they had this come-from-behind scenario. And they actually flew down the field two drives in a row, you know, pretty yeah. easily. And then Brady starts throwing all these picks, and they just couldn't capitalize. So I, I agree with you that you have to put some of the blame on Rodgers simply because he had the chances. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not there was pressure. At home, too, in a home playoff game with a lot of fans. I mean, a lot of fans were there at Lambeau, which was cool to see. I was happy to see that. But the other things that were a little odd about this game. So we had that strange call 
to kick the field goal, which I really didn't like at the time, and I still don't like it. I understand what they were going for, but, I mean, come on. You're, you're, you're giving Tom Brady the chance to clinch that game. So that was number one. Number two, we have a decision on the Tampa Bay side for that kick returner to just go down and slide on the field after he gets the kick before the two-minute warning. What would you think of that one, Grant? Yeah, I mean, that's more of a finer detail, but I completely agree with you there. Um, There were some interesting clock management decisions towards the end. If you had that slide down, I I was – Totally thinking the same thing you just described, like, wait a second, just stay up for two more seconds. And then also, it was interesting when uh, they got the quick second and one, and the Packers intentionally went off sides so that they could burn all three timeouts on the same set of downs, which I thought was a cool move. It was a um, great move. And then I was thinking, though, on the Tampa side, why, do you, why don't you just decline the penalty? So here's what I... Well, I guess the clock was stopped either way, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think they brought it up after the fact. I think it just happened so fast and kind of caught Bruce Arians off guard that he just took the penalty. Yeah. I don't think a lot of thought went into it, and then I think people brought that up. And then it was like, oh, yeah, maybe he should have declined the penalty. But I can't say that I would have had the presence of mind to decline in that moment either. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, I did hear a good amount of, oh, Tom Brady gets all of the calls. Uh, so we had that pass interference call there on third down at the end of the game. What would you see with that one, Grant? What would you think? It's tough. You know, what's funny is I came into the game thinking it was going to be a lot colder, and I wanted to see if Tyler Johnson could be – an X factor because he's a guy who played in Minnesota might've been used to the cold. So I was excited to watch him. And then he really didn't do much at all except for that flop. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I do think it was a total dive, but um, the dive was more of a PI dive, whereas the call was a holding call. So was it a call? Yes. Do you call that at the end of the game? Gosh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be that ref. Um, I just think the flag came in a little bit late, you know? If they threw it right away, fine. But seeing it come in so late was a little bit, (laughs) you know, I don't know about that. I think the thing is, that was a call where, as you mentioned, I would have zero interest in making that call. And I wouldn't kill them either way. If they, if it's a no call or if they did end up making the call, I think I don't have a problem with it either way. The thing is, again, all of these things can be true. Yesterday, there was they were letting the boys play quite a bit, which is great. I love that. I love seeing some physicality. I don't like whistles. Uh, stopping the game, getting a lot of penalties. I like seeing them get a little physical, allowing them to do that stuff. Number two, technically, by rule, that is either holding or pass interference, whichever way you want to go. That was a penalty. Um, The real question, as you mentioned, is do you blow your whistle or do you swallow your whistle? 
in that spot. I think that, and then also the other part of that is that Tyler Johnson did flop. He sold it. Um, but I, I mean, it's not like, like if he was flopping in a spot where he didn't actually get touched, I'd be upset about that, but he was selling something that actually was by definition a penalty. But it was funny that he he looked like it looked like an NFL blitz play where the guy just gets taken out. <laughs> yeah, and he just flies into the air. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a tough one because I mean when you say that I think of uh, Sean Murphy Bunting's pick. Yeah, uh, there is no one was like raising issue with it, but it was a physical play, and you do yeah. have a right to the ball as a DB. But you know it was a it was a a little bit of a box out. Um, and he snagged it from him, and it's clean. But I do think it was a physical game on both sides, and to then make that call in that situation, I talked to one Packers fan today, and that was kind of his feeling on it: was fine, call it, but where was that call all game long? And if I'm a Packers fan, I'm upset today for multiple reasons. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I am um, too. This was a special team, and they really, really blew it, and they had so many chances. Yeah, I think that, again, that's another thing. If you're a Packers fan, you're not going to be happy with that call, and I am not going to tell you that that you should be happy with that call or be okay with it because I get it. I get it. I will say the one thing, and I know this isn't going to make anyone feel better, and, hey, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Nate Smith. He's a friend of mine, listens to his show every week, and he just helped us out on our live stream as our producer the other day. Nate's a huge Packers guy. So, uh, Nate, I'm talking directly to you, and uh, I know I know you're in pain, and I know you're not going to accept what I'm going to say, but, Grant, there were several – I mean, there were also calls that benefited Green Bay yesterday. I saw there was at least one play – where Rodgers was in, they were in the red zone, and he was in the pocket, he threw the ball out of bounds, which should have been intentional grounding by definition. Um, And Rodgers and Russell Wilson, some of those guys, some of those star players, they get that treatment. Sometimes they get the benefit of the doubt on those. I also saw on the uh, helmet-to-helmet hit, Devontae Adams, it looked like he actually lowered his helmet as he was bracing for the hit. And that ended up being a 15-yard penalty that also benefited Green Bay. Yeah, I wonder if the NFL was on high alert for head-to-head after the uh, hit against the Browns that yeah. resulted in the touchback, because I know that was a big controversy. It was somewhat similar being near the goal line. Granted, there was no fumble involved on that play, but... Yeah, I mean, if you take any game, you're you're going to have some missed calls. Um, yeah. And if you were dissect, or if you were to dissect game film, I'm sure you could find a penalty on every other play, you know, if right. you really wanted to get technical. Um, and that's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, it shakes out pretty much 50-50. And I, all I can say is they had their chances. And I do think at the same time, the Bucks won this game, you know? Oh, they yeah. weren't handed this game. They put up 31. Uh, Brady obviously had those three picks, but his first half was incredible. I've watched uh, 
not a ton of Bucks football this year, but when they're playing and it's on TV, I'm going to watch it. And throughout the year, he struggled a bit on those like 25, 30 yard fade routes because yeah. I think that's new to him in this offense. That's not something you saw with his Patriots teams. Um, and his first few fades he threw uh, yesterday were just perfect balls. Um, Mike Evans early on, obviously the Scotty Miller touchdown before the half. So he was, he was on in that first half. And I think he played a great game in spite of the three picks, which is obviously uncharacteristic of Tom Brady. No, he, he played, it was the best and the worst of Tom and even his worst, I guess. I don't even know if it was horrible. He, he was great in that first half. Tom Brady at age 43 finding a new team, a team that had not been to the playoffs in about 12 years or so, maybe 13 years, something of that nature, since the since the Gruden days, Grant. They hadn't been to the playoffs. But uh, Tom Brady going to a new team without a normal preseason, or without a preseason entirely, without a normal training camp to really – and to have to feel this whole thing out as the season was going on, I can't think of anything like this that I've ever seen in sports before. This is an, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm pausing to trying to think of a parallel, and I, I really can't. I'm going to give Chris Paul a shout out for taking the Thunder <laughs> to the playoffs last year, but it's in no way comparable. Um, <laughs> That'd be like, yeah, Chris Paul somehow is actually getting to the finals, which has never happened before. Poor guy. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to turn into a shot, but <laughs> that is fair. Um, but yeah, I, I can't I can't think of a comparison. I mean, Manning did go back to back years when he transferred over to the Broncos. Granted, he had like the Bucks defense has been on and off, whereas that Denver D was like the top of the league. Yeah, and he wasn't age 43, though. He's true. like seven or eight years younger than that. It's unbelievable. This is Brady's 10th Super Bowl. The Bucks are now in the Super Bowl for the first time since that uh, John Gruden team. I'll tell you what, man. I like that guy Tom Brady. If only I had him back when I played, man. We went four Super Bowls, man. Oh, Brady and Allstat? I mean, I don't know how you <laughs> stop that offense. So this that was the O two team. So eighteen years later they're back in the Super Bowl. And another cool fact with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup over the past year, Tampa Bay Rays playing in the World Series. Now all three of Tampa Bay's major professional sports teams of the major four sports, all three of their teams, because they don't have a basketball team, all three of them playing in a championship in a 130-day stretch. I did not know that. (laughs) But that's an incredible stat, especially, I guess you have the weather factor in terms of attracting talent, but Tampa Bay isn't like a major city in the United States. So, so for that, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, not, not a lot that. of history with any of those franchises, really. Yeah, see, I'm not a great 
uh, baseball or hockey fan, so I can't yeah. speak to it too much. <laughs> but um, still, I just think for a market of that size, that's awesome. So, all right, anything else on this Bucks game before we shift gears to the AFC side of things? No, I'm just, you know, all around impressed. I think they deserved it. I don't want the narrative to be Packers lost it. I think the Bucks yeah. did win the game. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it goes both ways. Absolutely, I agree with you. All right. And, and yeah. I just, I was going to quickly say also this Tampa defense has uh, really stepped it up in the playoffs. Not that that's a hot take. Everyone is probably <laughs> saying the same thing. My boy, Vita Vea. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> constant pressure and creating turnovers. So you got to get a Vita Vea jersey. I should. Yeah, I know. It's too bad Vita isn't on the the back of his jersey. Yeah. I'd like to get him on the podcast someday. That'd be really cool. Shoot him a message. In live, <laughs> live time. Call him. Vita and Vita in the morning. He might be on to something. <laughs> so then the American League <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking a lot of baseball today. I said National League, now American League. All right, AFC. This game was not what I was hoping it would be. I was hoping it was gonna be a great shootout back and forth, but I hinted at it earlier. Andy Reid was running circles on Buffalo's coaching staff with just a couple of things I noticed with Buffalo. One you cannot go man coverage on Tyree Kill. That's number one. Yeah. I mean, Tyree Kill is just consistently making plays that blow your mind. Um, that one where they hit him on the out route to the right and he cut back across the entire field and maintained a top speed that was probably, you know, like 25 miles an hour. That's, that's like a 100-yard sprint. Well, adding in the agility um, of just deking multiple guys and evading tackles and even getting hit in the legs and not going down. I mean, he's a stud. So single coverage, good luck. You, you <laughs> don't stand a chance in that scenario. Yeah. And then the other thing, they were not picking up the blitz well at all. When they're blitzing, you got to make them pay. You got to run some type of a little dump off screen to your running back make them pay for that, but they weren't able to pick up that blitz one bit, and uh, Josh Allen had a long day as a result. Yeah, I mean, good for Buffalo. I I know that's a very loyal fan base, and Josh Allen is young. That's a team that, you know, they did add Diggs this year, and Diggs had a monster year, but um, it's not like he has a ton of chemistry with those receivers. Um, and I hope that they can make another run, but I don't, I don't know if you can even fault Buffalo as much as you just have to tip your hat to this Kansas city team. Right. This, this offense is unlike anything I've seen. Um, it's actually funny. Like, I don't know how they would compare to the greatest show on turf <laughs> Brady's first Super Bowl matchup that he had, yeah. but um, they just have so many weapons, and you know Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. I personally, I love Michael Hardman, even though he did have that muff yesterday. Yeah, um, he's a guy I've, you know, been a big fan of, and he's extremely explosive. I think, you know, next year hopefully, 
will be the breakout year that I've been waiting for, but they just have so much speed, so many weapons. Um, and then you have Patrick Mahomes, right? And Andy yeah. Reid's genius where yep. he's just drawn up pre-snap motion and throwing things at you that you're not used to. So, I mean, this is a good Bills team, but I just think they were outmatched. Oh, I just say I think the Bills need to get a running back too. They had no ground game, so I feel foolish for picking them in this game because it's like, my goodness, well, you, you need them. a running. I didn't game. know you picked them. Wow. Oh yeah, so what I did. were you anticipating taking the Bills over the Chiefs? I was a little concerned about the Mahomes turf toe and the head stuff, and he looked great. He didn't look affected by that. He did wobble a couple times when he got up. It looked like the toe was bothering him a little bit, but. Yeah, then the other thing was this Chiefs team, prior to yesterday, their last eight victories had all been decided by one score. So I felt like they were get, letting these games play a little. They're getting a little too close with these games. The Bills were killing teams on the other side of things. But maybe this moment may have been a little too big for this young Bills team. Yeah, and also Zach Moss. I mean, um, he's not like a top running back that anyone's going to talk about, but yeah. I think he was a significant part of their running game. He's more of a, you know, grinded up the middle yeah. kind of back. Um, and then Singletary obviously is also talented, but there's, there's a weapon they're missing. I'm looking right now. They, they ran the ball 18 times passed it 28. I don't know what a usual split is, for the Bills, but maybe they just got forced out of their game a little too early, um, and this Chiefs offense overwhelmed them. Yeah, the other thing is similar to what we were critical of with Matt LaFleur. On the other side of things, what we were seeing last night with the Bills, I guess I shouldn't say on the other side of things, it was similarly, they were in the red zone twice, where they had about, they were maybe on the four on one of those plays in the in the red zone, and it was fourth down, and then the, another time maybe it was like the six or the seven, and both those times they opted to kick field goals. I know you're on the road, and sometimes you need to just kick a field goal to get some points on the board, but they already had points on the board. I think that you can't beat the Chiefs kicking field goals. You knew you're going to need a lot of points here, and on the downside of things, let's say you do not get that touchdown, you're going to trap them inside the five, and they have the they have the end zone in their back. So I like doing that when you go for it, and even if you don't get it, because you're likely going to end up with good field position, and you're putting a dynamic offense in uh, with again the end zone right in their backs. Yeah, I had to. I had to check. I'm actually looking here. That first field goal before the half, they were at the two with oh about 11 seconds left. So you kind of have the guarantee that okay, they're not going to score. There's 11 seconds, and at yeah. that point, they were down 21 to nine. Yeah. So uh, we all know who the Chiefs are. What are you gaining kicking a field goal? Because it's it's still a two score game even with that yeah. field goal. Um, and they only had one touchdown at that point. I, 
And I'm checking here. Yeah, Chiefs received in the second half too, which is, you know, you can't even say, oh, well, they were going to get the ball back. So that's, it's a little bit soft uh, for them to settle. And then I'm looking also, they had the fourth and three on Kansas City's eight. And that was down 12 to 24, similar scenario. And again, you're settling for the field goal. And there's five, 49 left in the third. So, yeah, you're just not playing with the level of aggression that you need to. And I don't see how your defense is going to get fired up watching you settle for a field goal in a tight game when they're probably struggling to keep up with this Kansas City offense. So I'm with you. I don't think those are the right call, you know? Yeah. So that... That was kind of my take. One of my main takeaways from yesterday is Andy Reid is a great coach. And then you have some of these really good coaches who are making some decisions that a great coach would not make. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's fair. I don't want to hate on the floor too hard because I do think you've seen success out of him. Yeah. Um, I think he just had a moment, not that that's excusable, but it's just, yeah, that was, I don't agree with that cause at all. Granted, we already talked about that. (laughs) Right. um, Yeah. Poor, maybe the bills will be back. I hope it's not one of those things where a team has a great year. They lose late in the playoffs and then they just kind of go back to 10 and six. Um, I hope they can build some success off of this. Well, hey, the AFC East next year is going to be interesting because I like this Miami Dolphins team and with with Tua and they get them some help in the draft here and they got a lot of cap flexibility. They won 10 games this past year. Maybe the Jets get Deshaun Watson or they draft a quarterback here and they get interesting in a couple years. And then obviously you got Bill Belichick there with the with the Patriots. So the AFC East is actually looking like it's going to be a lot tougher than it had been for the Patriots over the last two decades. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, whether you had the two up for Deshaun swap or like you said, they had some weapons, um, that that's a team that definitely overachieved this year. Yeah. Bills are going to stay tough. Um, the Jets will have to see if they can make any sort of moves. But I don't know. I was impressed with the Patriots. I tried to watch a little bit of Bucks football and a little bit of Patriots football when I did have the time to do so. And, I mean, the Pats played good football, in my opinion. Um, they completely adopted a new sort of offensive scheme that was built around Cam Newton, ground and pound. And they had a lot of end of game costly turnovers that you can't really blame anybody. It's just unfortunate. Um, some fumbles, some late picks. I feel like they're they're a team that's going to come back quick. I don't think we're going to see the Patriots become irrelevant. They're definitely going to rebuild, and uh, if especially if they could pull a quarterback like a Watson or a Stafford. Ooh, yeah. I think it'll be a, a quick ascension back to uh, maybe not Brady-level glory, but back to being a competitive, consistent playoff team. I'm glad you mentioned Matthew Stafford because we did have some news over the weekend. 
Matthew Stafford and the Lions are expecting to part ways this offseason. Matt Stafford, I believe, has been one of the hidden gems in this league over the last 12 years. What a tough, gritty quarterback who really never had a good offensive line or a run game, for that matter, in Detroit. And he made the best out of it. He put up some crazy numbers several times. I mean, he's been consistently up there 4,000 yards pretty much every single year. Uh, Really a really good quarterback. And I think this is going to end up being good for the Lions to get some fresh blood and start this reboot process because they're going to need a lot of help. And I feel horrible for Lions fans. That's just a tortured fan base. But I feel really good for Matthew Stafford to get out there and – I, my my estimate, I'm curious to hear what your guess is where you think you'll see him next year, but I think he's going to end up with the Colts, and I think that we're going to be looking at the Colts as a legitimate Super Bowl contender next year if they weren't already. Well, that's a, that's a bold statement. Um, I have heard most people saying Colts. I would love to see him go to the Bears. I don't know what, <laughs> what scenario would actually allow that. I don't think it's realistic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think if he goes to a team that is ready to compete, then we could definitely see instant success. I'm, I like Rivers. Um, I think he's great. It's a bummer that they let that game go because it would have been fun to see him make one last run too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I do think at least for where they are in their careers, Stafford is the more talented quarterback. Um, and also that's a really, you know, they've got a great defense, a number of studs in the backfield. Um, so that, that Colts team would instantly be good. I don't know if I would put them in the championship yet because you have the chiefs. Yeah. Um, Bills. And as long as you have the Chiefs, what can you even do? Yeah, you got yep. the Bills. The Ravens aren't going anywhere, in my opinion. This Titans team is still young. Well, maybe not young, but like... They're good. This Vrabel, he's been a stud for a yeah. few years. If you look at the AFC top to bottom this year, it's an extremely competitive division. The Browns are up and coming. It's just going to be... You might see now unless the Chiefs run away with it for years to come, the AFC might become what we were talking about with the NFC, where no one can really break through consistently because there's so much talent in that division. But we'll have to see how it plays out on a yeah. long-term basis. But Yeah, no, that's a really good point. One other thing from last night's game, one other thing I noticed, Honey Badger. What a career that guy's had. <laughs> yeah, so... Did he get cut, or what happened with that? He got expelled from LSU, and then it was right yeah, the year before. That, he got expelled his senior year, and that was um, the year before that he was a Heisman finalist. He was a guy that we were looking at as like a top five pick going into that year. Unexpectedly gets caught. Les Miles never revealed why, what rule he broke. He just said he broke team rules. But then... A couple months later, he was in rehab, and then sometime after that, he got arrested for possession of marijuana, and then he showed up to the combine, he had a really bad combine, 
I think he was out of shape and he couldn't, they were upset. They were saying he couldn't bench press much, but, uh, I can't either. So I, I, I sympathize <laughs> with him there, I guess, <laughs> but sure. he, uh, he ends up third round pick and he's been a three time first team all pro and he's, he's a great player. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's one thing if they're doing something, um, to hurt other people, but someone with a drug addiction, I mean, I don't know what his deal with, but if he went to rehab, maybe he was struggling with something like that. I, I don't fault anyone for that. That's just right. unfortunate that it yeah. happens. So his ability to bounce back and then be a consistent top safety in the league, I, I love it. And he is a stud and he's a playmaker. And before that chief's defense was consistently good because remember that used to be their downfall (laughs) was that they had absolutely no defense. He's a guy that came in and instantly gave him a boost in the secondary. Um, And I mean, he could have uh, two rings in two years potentially with the chiefs, which is really cool for him. That's and actually, crazy. I'm looking at it. What years did Arians coach in Arizona? Did Arians coach Honey Badger? Yeah, he did. They had uh, Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson, both from LSU, at the same time. That's right. Yeah, because they had a stud secondary for a minute. So I don't know. Every everything about this this matchup is just going to be fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. This uh, the Super Bowl that you mentioned, Grant. Uh, I know we're not going to we're not going to give a full preview right now. We'll do that next week on our live stream. By the way, shout out to everyone who caught our live stream this past week. We have eclipsed over 850 views on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube collectively. So thank you to everyone for tuning in. It seems people are really enjoying it. That was a lot of fun, and uh, really appreciate all you taking the show to new heights. That was really awesome. We'll have another live stream next week. No live stream this week, but I will be joined by Jake Poliga later this week to talk some college basketball, probably a little bit of MLB stuff for that matter. But we'll be back with the live stream next week. Nevertheless, we're gonna I'll give you a chance to kind of set the table for us, Grant, briefly, and you can share your pick because you uh you you don't have a podcast of your own to do a deep dive on it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's such a toss-up. My hope, okay, my (laughs) hope is that we get back-to-back two-minute drills, all right? So I want to see one of the quarterbacks gets it two minutes to go in the game. They go down and win it with, like, 30 seconds on the clock. Everyone's celebrating. Other quarterback steals it. Either way, that's sort of the ending I would love to see. Um, cause I think both guys are capable of it. I will yeah. not be able to live with an ending like green Bay, Tampa. <laughs> I don't want, uh, any sort of call to leave doubt in anyone's mind. And oh, I don't yeah. want to see a quarterback make a late mistake. You know, if Brady or Mahomes has a chance to win it and it ends in a pick or a four and out it, you got to respect defense, but we want to see these quarterbacks perform at their best. So I, I'm torn. I want the bucks. Um, 
even though my favorite player in this game is me, Cole Hardman, um, I want the Bucks, and therefore I'm going to be biased. I'm going to take them <laughs> because I think the preparation is going to be insane out of Brady because he knows how much this game means. Um, and I'm I'm going to take the Bucks. Do you need a score? You know that's okay. We can just leave it at that. That works. Unless you want to give a score, it would be made up in this moment. <laughs> all we right, can all right. Say, uh, 3830. 3830. Okay. All right. So, and you mentioned that this was a matchup that you were looking for and you were hoping for going into this weekend. What about that? Is it just the fact that you have the guy who's been the NFL for the last 20 years and then the guy who is now the face of the NFL, the past versus the present, to all-time greats potentially? Is that is that it? Is there are there other factors? What about this matchup makes it so attractive to you? I think you said it exactly for the Super Bowl, but it's also just the Brady narrative for this entire playoff. You know, exclude the Washington football team, but <laughs> I think Breeze and Rogers are two guys who played during Brady's era, who no one's ever going to call them the goat over Brady. But you will still have people that say, well, Breeze, you know, he has all the records in the regular season, maybe in fewer years at least. Like, maybe Breeze was on Brady's level, just didn't have the teams for it. And then Rodgers, it's like, oh, Rodgers is such a stud. You know, what could Rodgers have done if he was on the Patriots? I'm not saying those guys are, like, put on Brady's level, but they're definitely guys from his era yeah, and he's probably had to hear about from time to time. So him beating them both head to head to begin with is pretty special. And then it's exactly what you said. I think it was Romo who was like, "This is Jordan versus LeBron." You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, we get to see the goat late in his career face off against the only guy I can think of in the NFL right now who could have a career that at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if he won four or five Super Bowls, you know, and therefore maybe got into that conversation. So I think we're so lucky to see them go head to head. Yeah, that's a, I hadn't thought about the path for Brady, but that's really a great point. And it's pretty wild play three road games in the playoffs and then get rewarded somehow, some way host the Super Bowl at Raymond James. They're playing at home. Yeah. No, I know. That's another factor, too, is um, it's funny because I don't even think it's like the home field. I just think with COVID, like not having to get on a plane and not having to deal with everything they have to deal with behind the scenes that goes into these games is such a perk for the Bucs. And I know Antonio Brown didn't travel last week because there was some swelling with his knee and they were like, Oh, if he gets in the air, it's going to hurt the swelling. Well, AB doesn't have to travel at all. (laughs) Yeah. He can just stay home. He's going to have three weeks off. Even if he's not good to go, I still think Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson are both studs. And, uh, that team is going to be a hundred percent. KC should also be a hundred percent. Um, granted we all know Mahomes is dealing with some stuff, but I'm with you. 
I, I think home field advantage is significant and just the familiarity with the field, you know, even the weather, I don't know if it's going to be hot down there. Maybe, maybe not. But if you're used to that crisp, you know, like winter air, <laughs> all of a sudden you're playing in the heat, is that going to tire you out? I don't know the answer to it, but they're, they're just going to have the comfort level to start the game out. Um, and you have to wonder if that's going to be an advantage. Yeah, no, it looks like it'll be about 70, or right now it's about 70 degrees in Tampa area. I know because I'm going down there at the end of February for a couple weeks, which should be a nice little uh, fun place to work on the podcast and the website from. But uh, yeah, Grant, you know, the other thing I want to mention about the Super Bowl, I keep seeing these commercials for the Super Bowl. And they're playing this song, and the guy drives up in some really sick car, and they're, everyone's singing along to this song. And I find I I would not have known that this was the weekend if I didn't know that uh, the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime performance was the weekend. Oh no, I haven't <laughs> seen the commercial yet. Oh, they it was on nonstop yesterday. It's like there people are humming along to some tune. And it's like we're all supposed to know what the song is. And I did not know the song. See, I don't know. I'd have to see the commercial to know. I'm I'm not a pop culture um, (laughs) person. I I am usually the most out-of-the-know person in the room. (laughs) But I would know The weekend. I don't know if I would be able to identify him (laughs) if I saw him singing. So I might have been right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I think you probably saw it. It didn't register with you, and you were like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't even know what that's a commercial for. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know this guy was relevant. But that's the thing. So I've had some friends who have been hard on me because I'm not familiar with the weekend, and my case is that Super Bowl halftime show has traditionally been someone that – Everyone knows, and I'm not denying the fact that the weekend is hot right now, and he has been for all the 2010s. For about 10 years, he's been putting out very popular music, but I think that unless you're a young person or you're someone that listens to a lot of music and very involved with following and listening to new music, I don't think too many of the just standard, regular people who are, keep in mind, we're a couple of 26-year-old dudes, and we don't know this music. And so I, it's just, it's an interesting, interesting case to me. I think what I'm saying is I'm not saying that he should not get the Super Bowl because it sounds like he's pretty awesome and I'm excited to hear it. But uh, it's just a kind of an outside-of-the-box pick because typically you get someone like Bruce Springsteen or Katy Perry or Coldplay or... Uh, Paul McCartney, who's someone that truly everyone, everyone recognizes and is familiar with. You're right. And also, you would think that in the midst of COVID, it would be uh, even easier to land a like high, high profile star. Yeah. But that's a good point. Maybe, maybe they had Kanye booked and then that fell through (laughs) last second and they had to pivot. Yeah, that's another thing, Grant, is Kanye. So here's another thing. It's like, 
I'm not denying anything that the weekend has done so far. It's just that Kanye is far more famous in 2021 than he was in the mid 2000s when he was putting out his best music. It's just it takes a long time for people to hear that music. People hear it in movies years after the songs were new. People hear it in bars and restaurants. It's just kind of how it works in order to become someone who's super famous. Typically, the people who are super famous are quote unquote maybe past their prime in terms of like when they're putting out their really hot stuff, but obviously they still can go out there and they can still do it pretty well. Yeah. In fact, this is a little bit off the rails, but I think it's <laughs> funny, as you said, finding it in movies, like that these, uh, the younger generation is now super into Fleetwood Mac or was yeah. for a minute because of some TikTok that blew up and then they started jumping into the, the oldies rock as if I have any idea what the younger generation is up to. But <laughs> um, no, it's it's a good point, you know? So maybe maybe he has the music and we just don't know about him and they're giving him the early shot. So Grant, I did a little research on this topic and I came across two years ago, the Super Bowl. So I was curious, what percentage of Super Bowl viewers fit what demographic age-wise? So age 18 through 49 made up 40% of two years ago Super Bowl. I couldn't find last year, but two years ago. So 40% of the audience is age 18 through 49. So naturally, my thought was, okay, so the reason why... So obviously, the majority of the people who watch the Super Bowl probably don't know the weekend. But on the flip side of that, it's a smart move because those people are going to watch the Super Bowl anyways, and you want to get more young people in to watch the Super Bowl. And so he's a, he's the type of guy to bring in in that case. Oh. You're talking about recruiting young people and you're not talking about the MVP. Who would that be? Taylor Swift? No, the MVP, Mitch Trubisky. Oh, <laughs> the MVP. <laughs> the champion of the youth. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but you are right. Um, the NFL is making that younger audience move as seen by the Nickelodeon game. And that was great. There's a little plug for the Bears. Um, <laughs> did you watch it on Nick Grant? I thought I was going to, but it was such a serious game. I, yeah. I tried it for the beginning of the first drive and the commentary, I'm sure they figured it out by the end of the game, but they were just like, a lot of plays would happen and they'd be like, Oh wow. Wow. <laughs> and they were just like, these saying ridiculous things. And I was like, okay, I'm not watching this. If it was really my team, I would, I would want to lock in and have the Nance Romo crew. So I get that. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's funny that they did it. I think it's a cool idea and I'd love if they picked up a game every week. Um, yeah, it'd be great. I don't know enough about the structure of who owns Nickelodeon. If they could do that. CBS without... does. Oh, so then CBS could simultaneously run Nickelodeon games. Why not give it a shot? Absolutely, Grant. That gives us a chance to plug our sponsor here. Uh, if you are a fan of old Nickelodeon shows, old CBS shows, old MTV shows, like the one we're going to talk about in a little bit, you should sign up for CBS All Access, which is actually changing its name to Paramount+. Plus. 
beginning March 4th, but why not get a free one-week trial? They have over 80 classic Nickelodeon shows from back in the day. That means I've been watching some Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, uh, Rocket Power, Wild Thornberries, and then you got the classic reality shows such as Survivor, Big Brother, The Challenge. Grant, you're going to have to get that free one-week trial when you go to jackvita.com slash CBS. Oh, yeah. That's that's a great deal if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yes, sir. I think in. you would love it. No, I think so. I mean, I, I anything where I can get some Nick. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen this package before on your site, and it, it is pretty sweet that it's all available, especially I heard a little MTV shout-out, <laughs> meaning there's some challenge content, yep. too. I don't know how you can get go, or I don't know how you can go wrong with that setup. Yeah. Well, all right. Last thing before we totally go over to the challenge. If you had to pick a Super Bowl halftime act, and let's just say the goal is for it to be someone that everyone is going to collectively agree and be like, "Oh, this is cool. I, I, this is something that's fun, and no one's gonna have a problem with." Who would you pick? See, this is where you're just challenging my. Lack of <laughs> pop culture knowledge. Um, I can give you someone while you think. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear yours, and then uh, I'll counter. Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Does she still do the Sunday night countdown, or is that Carrie Underwood? That would be. They've changed it a few times. She had it at one point. Carrie had it at another point. I'd love to see Carrie Underwood and Brad Paisley together. That'd be a really fun, but. You'd have too many country haters who'd be tweeting angry thoughts while that goes on. But Kelly Clarkson is someone that has legitimately 10 hits that everyone would know. And it would be like, we need a unifying, after this past year, we need a unifying moment where everyone around the country, around the world, sings Since You've Been Gone at the same time. Yeah, no, that'd be a special moment for <laughs> You know, if you want to dip back, you could go, uh, what was I about to say? Well, in sync, Backstreet Boys. Well, <laughs> Green Day. Green Day. <laughs> or, Green Day uh, wouldn't be a horrible pick, actually. Or you can uh, just do a Mr. Brightside, and that's <laughs> it. Oh, yeah, the Killers would be great. That's a great pick. Yeah, the Killers, that would be, I mean, people would be too fired up by the end of the half like <laughs> usually the half is when you re-collect yourself but i think if the killers came in for a halftime show you would be gassed by the end of that halftime show <laughs> yeah they'd be great all right grant we only have so much time left i told you that you get a chance to talk the challenge on mtv and I know some of our listeners are big fans of the show. So we're about six weeks into the challenge, Double Agents, new season. What do you think so far, Grant? I've been a fan of the season. I think it's fun. I'm just, first off, thank you, MTV, for making a season happen during COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was a little bit curious whether or not they would acknowledge COVID, and they don't. And it's kind of cool in a sense that yeah. they let you just leave that behind for the mm -hmm. game. Because if you think about the trends of other seasons where they have a theme, 
like COVID could have easily been something they mentioned in every other confessional. Just kind of like we used to hear, this is the dirtiest game that's ever been played for all of Dirty Dirty, you know? That could have been the season of COVID. So, A, props to them for kind of editing that out of the show, not to, like, downplay it to a degree, but just to give everyone an escape. Um, but I've loved the season. I love the format. The the uh, Gold Skull is a great concept. And I think they fixed it this year. Um, by upfront announcing how many spots there would be. Um, and then I do like the partner swapping. I think it makes it really difficult to play a long game, um, especially if you're in a position of power early. But at the same time, I like that it kind of gives everybody a chance. You know, look at Devin. Yeah. Going down there, not really having an alliance, and then saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna partner up with Tori, because I know Tori's out to get me." Um, I think it's cool in that sense that people can just float around and make strategic partner moves, um, along with everything else. Because I think it was a strong cast as well. Devin is having himself a season. This has been. He's been great through six episodes. He's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think he's been fun. This is, I think this is his best season to date. Because his whole arc was being the guy that wanted to take down Bananas. But that's kind of all he had. Although he did make a final with Cheyenne. Yeah, That was a pretty solid run out of them. Um, but it was kind of a boring identity. Like he was yeah. just going to be this bananas hunter because he wasn't on bananas level you know it would have been right. something if it's a west it's like fine west is an established vet who's been across the board a strong player you know if you had a fessy or a rogan which you didn't ever really have gunning for bananas that would be interesting too because you know they're like this dominant player Devin's never really shown it until this season um beating west was impressive even if it was kind of edited in a way that made it seem like West didn't have it in him. It's still yeah. an impressive win in my book. Um, and then he's given great just content throughout the season. He's been funny to watch. I'm glad you mentioned Rogan because I feel like double agents would be the perfect theme for him to be on a season. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of weird that he's not there. You gotta wonder why he didn't make it on to this particular season. Because I agree with you, he would have been a fun guy to have in the mix. Yeah, I was wondering if they limited the number of UK people just because of the travel restrictions and whatnot with COVID. I don't know. Maybe it's harder to get people from the UK. There aren't too many of them on this season, uh, but Kyle's been Kyle's been a lot of fun, I guess. Yeah, I think Kyle, I mean, he's one of the more underrated players. In fact, he's kind of one of the players I point to. In fact, I could go on a long rant on why I don't love Jay's move last week. Even oh, yeah. Even though he was for Teresa. It was a good move for Teresa, bad move for Jay. Absolutely. What are, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, Teresa 
it was good for her to get a, another strong female out of the game. That's great for her. But by doing so, Jay ended up ticking off uh, Leroy and Corey and uh, the women in that for that matter. And it put him in a precarious situation where I think Jay probably came into the game with stronger social bonds than Teresa did because Teresa hadn't been on the show for a while and Teresa's already at Nani's throat. Yes, I'm 100% with you. And I think any time you're watching a season of The Challenge, especially someone like Jay, second season over-exceeded expectations for his first season, I think they need to have in these early stages, a little bit of a career mindset too. I know that sounds ridiculous and big picture. Boom. Yeah. It's your second season. Let's just, you know, ignore the fact that now the entire house is against him this season, because maybe it would have been so either way, but here's a chance he had to maybe gain favor with the big house Alliance. And instead he made Corey mad. He made Leroy mad. He made Kyle mad. And he crossed Cam and Ashley, who Cam and Ashley are not only both consistently good players, but they're very aggressive players, too. They're both women on the show who are willing to make a power play and have influence to make a power play. Yeah. So I hope it doesn't come up. Uh, haunting him on the back end. I think with the men, he'll be able to talk himself out of it, at least maybe not this season, but I don't think Corey, Kyle, and Leroy will hold a long-term vendetta against him. Yeah, Leroy said he's hanging it up after this one, too. I didn't know that. I do know he has some sort of shop. Barbershop. I know Oh, he did. It was it's a barbershop. He's cool. he's the owner of a barbershop in Houston. So I kind of want to just take a vacation to Houston just to get a haircut from Leroy. That'd be a cool thing, and I'm sure there are people <laughs> who would come in just to meet Leroy. Um, <laughs> that is that is special. He's a he's an awesome guy. But you know what I was kind of going at is like if you look at a Leroy, or I also think this is true of Kyle. In their early seasons, they took multiple seasons to kind of earn their way up the bananas totem pole, if you will. And I think those are the players who become career challenge uh, appearance players, are the ones who kind of find an alliance and just understand that it's going to take a few seasons for them to reach the top of that alliance. And... Jay is kind of a a lone wolf out there now, and I don't know how he's going to work himself out of this situation. But it'll be fun to watch because he's smart. He has good gameplay. He makes good points um, when he's trying to defend himself, and we'll see. You know, he kind of reminds me a little bit. The way he plays the game reminds me a little bit of Jordan, where he's kind of like a like a free agent out there, like a a contractor, independent contractor, just get him to do your work for you, get him, you know, he's just kind of on an island, plays a game independently, not overly social, 
um, and is a smaller guy, but somehow is very crafty and finds a way to win these things. Yeah, his only elimination loss was a physical elimination against Rogan, who's twice his size. You can't even really oh, no, yeah. much for that. Who was it? Oh, yeah, it was Rogan. That's right. You're right. Yeah, and it was actually an injury. Um, granted, he probably would have lost either way. Yeah. But he, he's someone who could uh, go on to impress us. And I think I hope they keep bringing him back because I think he does a good job of holding his own. He's not shying away, um, but he's also not like doing anything unnecessary to get casted. You know? Yeah. He's not trying to be fake in any way, just for the viewership. Grant, you want to guess who my favorite team is at this point? Favorite team on the challenge? Yeah. Leroy and Casey. I like them. I like them a good amount, but I'm I love Lolo and Nam. They're just they're fantastic every <laughs> single week. Should have known. <laughs> I uh it's too bad I wasn't on your podcast after week 1 cuz I swear I would have said this Nam guy <laughs> is about to be electric on the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um just because he's massive, and I think his only week one confessional, he's just like smiling ear to ear, saying <laughs> something ridiculous. And it's just like, this guy's a total outlier, but he's also huge. It'll be interesting to see what he's capable of. It feels like every single week, they're just like, we got to find a confessional for Nob. And so it's just like something really like super generic, like... Lolo made me sad, or I like peanut butter, or, like, this challenge was hard. Yeah, he keeps it basic. I don't know if they'll ever cast him again <laughs> unless he goes into an elimination and absolutely dominates. Um, but it's a cool idea letting Lolo come onto a, like, legit challenge season because she was on a Champs for Stars. Uh, it was fun. And <laughs> Nam's the perfect partner for her because <laughs> she's definitely someone who would have been, you know, scary aggressive, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. imagine putting her with Jordan oh, on man. a team. That team would implode <laughs> like, less than one episode. There's no or her and Zach. If you put Lola with Zach... Um, <laughs> I mean, you're just talking about a mess. So he balances her out. And yeah, they've been fun. I don't know. Gosh, one of them, does one of them have a skull? Now I'm totally blanking. No, not yet. Not yet. But they'll, it was, it's just Lolo is so great where she wears her track jacket down to, uh, <laughs> they're the elimination it's just like she puts on the track jacket it's just a little reminder like yeah do you really want to go against an olympian yeah and i hope we get to see her in elimination it would be a disappointment if she never made it into the elimination ring that would be a bummer. Yeah, they'll win a challenge and then she'll throw herself in it'll happen yeah i and then real quick i will say that is one thing you can say for jay is maybe Jay knows he has to go down eventually, and so it's like, well, who cares? Because if you think about his last season, yeah. 
he got a skull right away, and then they kept throwing him down. So he's probably like, if they're going to throw me down, I'm not going to rush that process. Yeah. Because they could come for me no matter what. And lastly, I mean, we'll wrap up here because we're running out of time, but Josh Martinez remains just, oh, he is great content every single week. He is, uh... (laughs) all right, I'm... (laughs) I'm becoming more of a Josh fan. Really? I got to call him out. Yes. Well, he's, he's brought some good content. I agree with you. And he's been consistent. And if anyone's consistent, I learned to enjoy them. Um, but I got to call him out for being the biggest hold me back guy of <laughs> <Yeah>. all time. Um, <laughs> the elimination where like, uh, Fessy went in against Nelson after we saw what Nelson and Rogan did. Like, really, Josh, you wanted to go down to a hall brawl against <laughs> Nelson? Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, he is just, he's so great. Could you imagine him on The Bachelorette? Like, he would be so great on The Bachelorette where he's on a group date and another guy gets a rose and then he just starts like, crying or freaking out because he didn't get the rose. He probably wouldn't make it very long. Or even better, a bachelor. If he was the bachelor, oh my gosh. He'd be heartbroken every episode. Well, that's so much good. drama that didn't yeah. exist in anyone's head but his own. Yeah, I think people, hopefully more people start to appreciate him at some point. You don't have to root for Josh, but you got to appreciate like this guy is so authentic and so real, and he's not a bad competitor either. So he is, he just loves, like, he walks into the drama every single week, and if he was not there, there'd be no drama on this season. Very little, at least. Yeah, he's got a, did CT rile him up one week? Yeah, CT, uh, he actually, (laughs) CT didn't really do anything. It was like, he was... Josh was having some type of an anxiety attack, which he actually had one on Big Brother and had to leave the house. Um, It's pretty serious. They almost sent him home. Uh, He has pretty intense anxiety. And so he was kind of freaking out over that whole incident where CT and Casey started arguing. But Devin was the one who was really winding him up with... uh, Oh, yeah, Devin got him going. Yep. Eight times nine. What's that, Josh? And Big Brother sucks. and. (laughs) Yeah, it'll. I'm I'm fifty fifty on Big Brother. Um, Part of it, Grant. It, they it, haven't. They. I don't think they've brought the best people from Big Brother yet. I think they've kind of. Some of the people they brought in have been like Fessy, just sort of bland, sort of there. Like guy can compete, but not. Not he's not a big character. Yeah, he's he's not, and I hope he gets sent home asap <laughs> in a puzzle. I'd love to see him go home in a puzzle and yeah. just throw a fit about it because <laughs> it's not a hall brawl, so it doesn't matter. Right? Cause you definitely know that's the way he thinks. Um, but yeah, I, I think like they're all athletic as far as I can tell. Casey especially has been really impressive, but you're right. They just don't give exciting confessionals or any sort of like compelling storyline. 
Yeah, it's been Josh and Polly. Those two have been the big characters. And then Natalie Negrotti, she wasn't, she was a character, I guess. I mean, she wasn't like amazing, but she kind of fit on the show, I guess. Jose, Jose was pretty good. Mm, yeah, I didn't know all these names came from Big Brother. I mean, Polly, of course. Yeah. I hope he comes back ASAP. Need Polly. Even as a villain. Like, I never rooted for him, but I loved having him on the show. Um, Polly's brother actually just won Big Brother this past summer. Really? Maybe they'll do a blood, uh, second bloodline yeah. season. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Polly's brother is nothing like Polly, too. <laughs> More of a chill, laid-back person. Yeah, exactly. He's he's very chill. Um, but nevertheless, Grant, this is a lot of fun. Talking challenge. You guys can watch seasons 11 through 33 at jackvita.com slash CBS. Get your free one-week trial, and then it's $5.99 a month after that. And, uh, yeah, it's a great service. Anyway, Grant, this is a lot of fun talking challenge, talking NFL. And uh, where can do you want to throw out your social media handles or do you want to promote anything while you're here? I have nothing to promote, but I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you had me on the show. Um, you know, I'm always happy to contribute and looking forward to the Super Bowl. Interested to see your pick on your live stream a week and a half from now. I'll be tuning in. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Don't miss it, guys. It'll be a lot of fun. Grant, thank you so much for joining me. We'll have to uh, do this again maybe later on in the challenge season. We'll have more to talk about there. Cool. Thank you, man. Well, folks, that does it for my conversation with Grant Forsyth. Thank you all for tuning in. It was a lot of fun having Grant on the show. We're going to be back later this week with Jake Poliga talk some college basketball, a little bit of baseball. We have some Hall of Fame voting going on, so that'll probably be an interesting topic of conversation, as well as the MLB offseason. Pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training in just a couple of weeks. I'm excited. I'm excited to shift over into baseball and college basketball mode by two favorite sports. March is just such a magical time of year, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, to have opening day and the Sweet 16 on the same day, at least the last time we had baseball, be a lot of fun. So make sure you're subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. That way, you will be in the loop whenever we have fresh content available. Please, 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 please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll do so much good for this podcast. Please, just do it. It'll it'll take five seconds. Do a lot of good for this show. In addition to that, you can get in touch with me on social media. I'm going to run through my handles real quick. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Twitter is at Jack Vita Show. Same as my Instagram. YouTube.com slash Jack Vita and at Jack Vita now on TikTok. Quite a, quite a lot of content. And please log on to my site, jackvita.com. Hit the subscribe button. Get those email notifications when the little pop-up comes up when you, uh, when you open up one of, my, one of my stories or podcasts. You get a pop-up. Subscribe to that. And then you'll always get email notifications whenever there's new content on the site. I know a lot of folks have been wondering, hey, how can I help you, Jack, as you get this thing going and as you are a full-time content creator? Well, a couple of ways. Number one, share this show 
we need to get this show out to the masses. So get your friends subscribed. Get them. Uh, tell them about the show. Tell them about my website. Get them subscribed to my website. It'll do so much good for me. Believe me. Believe me. In order to build up that retaining audience that comes back every single week, that's important. That's number one. Number two, this one I I don't feel comfortable asking. So I'm not asking for anything, but I will let you know that there is a PayPal button on the homepage of my website. Uh, so if you feel like you want to give money to the show, just because, hey, look, I don't make any money from doing this right now. This is pretty much a passion thing, and I want to make this my full-time thing and grow an audience. And I'd love for this podcast and this website to grow into something that can be entirely independent and self-funded and i think that a lot of people are hungry for good content out there there's a lot of screaming matches on tv there's a lot of politics and i'm going to play it down the middle i shouldn't even say down the middle i'm not going to get political uh i'm going to approach all these stories pretty pretty analytically but also from a christian perspective talk about my faith talk about sports talk about entertainment and just create a lot of fun. We have another bracket coming up in uh, sometime in February, and it is sports movies. So make sure you're, again, that's another, you're going to want to be following me on social media and getting those email notifications on the website so you know when that bracket's starting up and when you can vote, how you can vote, all that stuff. Guys, we made it almost through the month of January. It was a little bit of a wild month, but hey, we're all approaching... Uh, We're a week away from the month of February. I'll be 26 and a half, I believe, a week from today. Uh, Pretty wild because it feels like I just turned 26. But, guys, until next episode, Jake Paliga, a lot of good stuff coming up. Until then, however, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.